The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. All right, and it was a not-so-regular week of racing, that's for sure. A lot of big races that are going to affect the Breeders' Cup. Okay, who's up to bat tonight? Well, first up is Sophie Doyle, the Belle of the Breeders' Cup Ball. That's right, Sophie Doyle is getting known by the nation for her beautiful ride aboard Fee O'Ready in the Thoroughbred Club of America Stakes, a grade two, quarter of a million dollars. So it was contested at Keeneland on Saturday, and she upset the champion, Judy the Beauty, with a well-timed ride. So we're going to get to learn about the career of Englishwoman Sophie Doyle. And then from there, while the Breeders' Cup's not for a few weeks, Ohio's Breeders' Cup is this week. I'm going to talk to a guy who's got the inside track because he's at the track. He's at Thistledown, where the best of Ohio will be contested this year. Luckily, we've kind of got an inside track since uh, both Rich and I know a lot of the players that are going to be going to post on Saturday. So looking forward to talking with Rich and Sophie. Let's take a look at... uh, What's been going on this week? We're starting out with uh, some of the big wins that we had, you know, uh, with the big races coming up. Don't forget, go to winningponies.com. Easy win forms will get you there. Uh, Some uh, big hits all across the country this week at Belmont, a $1 super that paid $5,857. And then down at Keeneland, a $1 super paid $4,572. Upstate New York, Finger Lakes, a $1 super, $4,508. All the way out to Los Alamitos, a $2 pick six, returned $2,931. Let's not forget our friends in Chicago at Hawthorne, 20 cent uh, pick six, $2,501. All right, let's move on to the action this week. There was plenty of it. We're going to have to get uh, as many results out as we can to you. Uh, Although a lot of you guys watched it on TV, the uh, NBC Sports Group has increased 136% viewership for Breeders' Cup Challenge Series. So those of you that tuned into the different win-in-your-in races, they average more than 900,000 viewers on NBC and NBCSNs. Of course, American Pharaoh had a lot to do that with that, but that is great that, A, our sport's being televised, and that, B, a lot of people are tuning in. And don't forget, uh, we will be, uh, of course, uh, being able to tune in on all the Breeders' Cup championship coverage. That's going to start uh, Wednesday, October 28th on NBCSN. 
and obviously it will uh, accumulate uh, Saturday, October 31st, 4 o'clock, when the Breeders' Cup World Championship begins at Keeneland. All right, well, we're going to get a look at some good European horses, so it is rumored, and we could get a look at a rematch in the Breeders' Cup between the first two finishers in last week's Prix de l'Arc de Triomphe. Uh, It could be a very interesting matchup. The Breeders' Cup turf has long been the gold for Flintshire, who was second last week in the ARC. Uh, Flintshire also finished second in the 2014 ARC before being second to main sequence in the 2014 Breeders' Cup turf. Now, Golden Horn won the ARC by two lengths after getting a nice trip under jockey Frankie DeTore, so he may be back. He is no stranger to the Breeders' Cup here in the U.S., the last ARC winner to come for the Breeders' Cup turf was Workforce, another English Derby winner in 2010, but he got scratched because they thought the Churchill turf was a bit too firm. And sad to say, the mighty mare Trev officially has been retiring after finishing fourth in her bid for a historic third ARC win. So Trev off to the breeding shed. Now, we'll begin to see where the players are going to end up in the Breeders' Cup, and it looks like grade one winner Liam's map is going to go in the Breeders' Cup dirt mile at Keeneland and not the Breeders' Cup Classic. Uh, This is one of the many Todd Pletcher trainees, and they felt that it was just the right race for him, and they want to take their best shot at winning a Breeders' Cup race. Of course, uh, he Comes off a victory in the Woodard Stakes Grade 1, going a mile and an eighth. So he's going to dial back a little bit, but he had a lot of good early speed. So that should not be a problem. (laughs) The uh, lovely Maria looks like we're not going to get to see her in the Breeders' Cup. She's out for the rest of the year. You may recall she won the Kentucky Oaks this year. So she's going to pass on the Breeders' Cup distaff and will be rested the remainder of the year, according to trainer Larry Jones. Uh, she faded for fifth in Sunday's Spinster Stakes at Lexington after showing early speed. So that she is going to get a rest. I mean, um, she doesn't have to do much more. She ends her 2015 campaign with a career total of four wins, three seconds from 11 stars for earnings of $3,000 over the $1 million mark. Okay, Jockey Irad Ortiz Jr. is Jockey of the Week. He made it back-to-back wins in the Grade 1 Flower Bowl aboard Stephanie's Kitten, and that win and another Grade 1 victory helped Ortiz win the Jockey's Guild Award for this week. Uh, the Flower Bowl we mentioned, and then he also uh, came down to Keeneland and won the Grade 1 Spinster Stakes, sent away at odds of 7-2 to two in a field of 9. He was aboard, got lucky, and a tip of the cap to Matt Bernier, who we've had on many times, the Daily Racing Form capper, picked, got lucky, live on the air. I hope you were lucky enough to be tuning in at the time. All right, we've uh, that time of the season where some horses are going to be retired, and they've announced where they're going to be. Uh, grade 1 winner Golden Ticket, who dead-heated in the Traverse Stakes a couple years ago, will go to Quest Royal North Stallion Station near Stillwater, New York. Going to stand for 7500 
He's now six years old. He's the son of Speedstown and uh, trained by uh, Kenny McPeak, who we've had on the show many times. And uh, Speedstown, very hot right now. His uh, horses have earned more than $64 million, and he's been a top 10 North American sire since 2010. Of course, the New York program with the casino revenue is very, very strong. Also, being retired from racing is Normandy Invasion, the grade one place son of Tappet, has been retired. A five-year-old bay horse from 12 starts earned 551900 So, as you recall, he uh, fractured a sesamoid, made a short comeback, but the suspensory uh, turned out to be the problem. So they are going to uh, retire him, and uh, developments as far as his future have not been announced just yet. Now, Spencer Farm, uh, they're buying the breeding rights to the top sprinter, Palace, a multiple grade one millionaire son of City Zip. That one ought to be fast when he gets off to stud. All right, let's take a look at some of the uh, races that are going to affect the Breeders' Cup. Uh, the Phoenix Stakes, uh, that was run on the front end on a sloppy track at Keeneland, and a kind of an uplifting story, Run Happy, a horse that's been all over the place, uh, took the lead and held off everybody, drifted out a little bit, but got it done, so we'll be watching him in the sprint. Races we looked at last week with uh, our friend Andy Serling from Naira. Uh, again, we just announced the Flower Bowl, and the winner was Stephanie's Kitten, uh, made a nice run through the lane, was head-to-head with Danza Cavallo, and just pulled away another kitten's joy mare that's going to be very valuable when she is rushed off to the breeding shed. Again, Danza Cavallo was second, and in the third spot uh, was Mutatis Mutandis, the slight favorite curvy, ended up running fifth. All right, take a look at the top two-year-old girls in the country, and it was nicknamed trained by Steve Asmussen that got the job done in the grade one for Zet, won by three and a half lengths after rating off the speed. In the second spot was the British invader, Namoralia, who ran second and held off She's Already by one and a quarter lengths. Then we went to the boys in New York, and it was the grade one champagne. The winner, Greenpoint Crusader, uh, was bumped and steadied early on, went from sixth to fifth to third, and ended up winning by four and a half lengths. This is a son of Bernardini, Greenpoint Crusader. We'll probably see him down at Keeneland. In the second spot was uh, one of our long shot picks from last week at 23 to 1, Sunny Ridge. And finishing third on the outside portfolio manager, ran third. Also at Belmont, the Jockey Club Gold Cup, they better have their running shoes on in the Classic. Tonalist wins in a hand ride with John Velasquez in the saddle of the Christophe Clement trainee. Second spot was Wicked Strong, who set all the pace. And third was the four, Ethan X. Okay, we move to Keeneland then. Now, on Friday, the Alcibiades was run, and the heavy favorite was Dothraki Queen. The winner was Gomo, the connections of I'll Have Another, Doug O'Neill and Redham Racing, and in the saddle, Mario Gutierrez. 
Uh, so in from Del Mar, gets the job done, Gomo in the Alcibiades. Again, these are two-year-old girls. Second spot did go to Dothraki Queen. We'll probably see that horse at Keeneland, too, for the Breeders' Cup. And in the third, 23-to-one shot, Ma can do it. Then we uh, moved on to a race we're going to talk a lot about uh, tonight, and that's going to be the Thoroughbred Club of America, of course, in the saddle, Sophie Doyle. And uh, it was Fioretti getting the job done. We'll let her describe the race later on. Uh, Judy the Beauty uh, finished third in there. Uh, then at Keeneland, it was the first lady. And winning this one was uh, my pick, Teppen. Big win by seven lengths. Drew off in a hand ride. Then we're looking at the boys at Keeneland, the Claiborne Breeders Futurity. The winner was Brody's Cause getting up just at the wire. Corey Lannery just ran him down in the final yards. In the second spot was the favorite, Exaggerator, a winner of the Saratoga Special. And finishing third was Rated R Superstar, the Shadwell Turf Mile. The winner was, my pick, Grand Arch got the job done over the Pizza Man, and we did say the Pizza Man probably need more than mile, so the Pizza Man just comes up a little bit short. He'll be a little bit better at a longer distance. All right, that's a look at all of the great race action that we uh, covered last week for you. When we come back, we're going to be talking to the belle of the Breeders' Cup ball, Sophie Doyle. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. That goes O'Neill. He's at the shot. Got it. With 2.8 seconds left to left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. From high school to the pros, we we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Your internet flagship station for sports... Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, we are going to be talking to, and I hope this name catches on, Sophie Doyle, the belle of the Breeders' Cup ball. Last week, she brought home Fioretti to take down the quarter-million-dollar Thoroughbred Club of America. I was there. I was, looked over where the jockeys come out, and the first jock out standing outside the door chatting with a gentleman was none other than Sophie Doyle, who I first met at uh, Belterra Park, a slightly smaller track than Keeneland in the Cincinnati area. And what j- confidence just oozed, 
out of Sophie. She was there. She was smiling, got some great shots of her. Sophie Doyle, welcome to Winning Ponies. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me with you this evening. Well, uh, I must say, everybody has a point in their career where it's kind of a breakout season, and 2015 seems to be yours. It definitely does. Um, we've been working hard throughout the year. Well, since since the start of the meet back in December at Turfway, um, it's been a been a bit of a whirlwind this season. It's been amazing how well things have gone for us. It's been to to be coming up to the Breeders' Cup was something a bit of a surprise, really. Well, it, it's great. We'll, we'll we'll get on to, to feel ready, but uh, I've done a little research on you. I've had a chance to listen to some some interviews, and I'd like you to kind of tell our audience a little bit about your upbringing. I've seen photos of you when you were just a, a, a little girl with, with, with a pony. Uh, tell, tell us about what it was like uh, growing up with your mother, who was a horse trainer herself. Um, it was, I had probably a very fortunate upbringing where my mom was a trainer and um, she trained for 25 years and I've had ponies probably since I, since I was big enough to put my leg across a pony. So, um, I actually brought up doing the show ponies and show jumping throughout the years. And then later when I was about 11 years old, I started riding out the racehorses for our for my mum. And I think my brother and I put all the exiles riders out of business as we started riding them all out and breezing them all. So that was, um, you know, one of the best experiences any young jockeys could have coming into a career for themselves. So that really helped things. Now, uh, I know a lot of people will probably say, you know, I've heard of that name uh, Doyle over in England before. Uh, your brother is, is James Doyle. Uh, what was it like growing up with your brother, who I know he was kind of being groomed to be the flat rider and you were being groomed to be the jump rider. Uh, were you guys kind of competitive yeah. against each other? Uh, we were always very competitive against each other. We always have done. We've actually won um, since we started being since we became jockeys we've actually i think only once in our entire career did james and i ever come head and head in a finish together and that was when i was about to ride my first winner on my 12th ride and i was out in front i led the whole mile and my brother came right to me at the wire and beat me a neck um (laughs) when when he got in front of me and he looked over and his color just drained from him and he looked across he said oh my god please tell me I didn't beat you and I just looked and said how could you do that to me James and he <laughs> just felt terrible and then we were fortunate enough that the horse came out of the race well so we put put him back in um, the same type of conditions again the following week and at that time I was able to ride my first winner without my brother being in the race so we've always had that competitive edge and it was kind of good that you know my brother you know, we rode. We were just jockeys riding against each other. It was we were being competitive and doing our sport. So we've always been like that growing up. But to have James as my brother all my life is it's just been amazing. You know, we're very supportive of each other in both our careers. Well, uh, I found something interesting that that you stated last week, and it was the fact that now that you're you're, you're riding in America that. Your riding style has changed. Can you tell our listeners what that means? And you almost said that it's actually had an effect on your body because you might be using different muscles. Yeah, I use the right. The type of style over here is very different to England. The style in America is 
you try to keep yourself very still and very strong on a horse. And it's a lot of, um, you've got to have a strong base. So I always try to think of like when you're building a house, you've got to have a good strong foundation to hold everything else up and keep everything in position and strong. So you've got to keep your legs very strong. And then at the same time, you've got to keep your upper body strength strong because when you have a horse that's pretty keen in a race, you've got to have the strength to hold him. But then you also need that strength when you're pushing too. So you've got to be able to accelerate and finish in a race. Um, And whereas in England, because you have the versatiles of the racetracks going in different directions, you'll be going straight in straight lines some days. Other days you'll be taking tight corners and going into figure of eights or you might be on a track that zigzags a lot more so you'll be crossing from one rail to the other a few times and the type of style in England is that you probably keep your upper body a little bit more higher but I kind of bounced in the saddle a little bit more and I still kind of do skim off the saddle but you get taught in England to really get behind the horse and pick them up and sometimes you have to really rouse them along to get them home over the tracks because they're so undulated and going up and down hills that your body changes a lot of direction. So you, you ride probably a little bit longer and you kind of sit more into them to try and get them home. Whereas in America, you kind of have to sit very still, keep your upper body very low. And it's just the style that the American horses are used to. And I felt that when I came over the first time and I started riding, when I rode in my style, the horses didn't respond enough to it because they were used to the jockeys keeping their shoulders down, keeping very still. Whereas when you're hitting the saddle, it kind of the momentum's not the same as as much. Um, so over, I think in the past five months, my body's been changing a lot. The muscles are changing; they're getting stronger and tighter. But I also, at the same time, in between my races and especially at the beginning of my day before I start to ride. I do usually about a six-minute to ten-minute workout exercise of just cardio work, just to keep my upper body, keep my body strength, and to keep me fit enough. Well, uh, I also didn't realize until last week uh, that you did spend some time on the West Coast, and that uh, Mike Smith kind of uh, kind of helped you out with uh, with your riding style. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, he did. He taught me a lot. He. Um, took me under his wing for a couple of weeks and took me up the mountains, took me hiking and generally taught me about your fitness and how fit, you know, watching somebody like Mike Smith get into show me how he keeps, how he sustained his career at his level, high level of riding and how fit he stayed and why he is, why he's been able to achieve the success that he has. And that's through his training and it was the first time I've been around a jockey that that I've ever seen train so hard. Um, and as a flat jockey, um, he does probably every most mornings before he goes to the racetrack, he'll go and visit his um, his personal trainer, and he'll work out for a good hour, and as well as cardio work, lifting weights. And it taught me a lot about what I needed to do, and he helped me out in that sense to teach me how fit, how much fitter I needed to be riding here, and to help with my body style. That um, there were certain techniques that you can do in using the weights or using any equipment in the gym to help with my with with the riding style. 
over here. Well, so he taught me a lot of what I could do. Obviously, your riding style paid paid off at, at Keeneland last week. Now, before I get to feel ready, I did pull down some articles from uh, the Racing Post, and uh, you kind of see a difference in the receptiveness towards trainers in America versus England. I do. It's very different over here. I think the women jockeys here get given an opportunity. If you're there and you're working hard, um, they they respect you enough to give you the chance. And I've been very fortunate enough to have so many trainers over here in America give me the support, and especially Anthony Hamilton and Two Hearts Farm Racing. They've really supported me since the winter time, and you know, they've it's been great to be able to repay them and give them an opportunity. And with Fioretti at the Breeders' Cup, and, you know, it's amazing how when I was riding back in England that it was. Hard, it was just hard to win a nice handicap or or class two handicap, which is one of the the higher scales, without going into listed and group company. You know, it was just difficult to keep on a on a ride like that. But as soon as you'd win and it, the horse looked like he was going to be decent enough, you would just straight away get taken off for a bigger named rider, and that would be without a hesitation. And it's been amazing that a lot of people from back home have all been asking me. And are you going to be able to keep the ride on her going into the Breeders' Cup? And of course, you know, there's, I don't think it was in, in Anthony or Two Hearts Farm's mind to ever take me off at all. And it wouldn't even come into consideration. Whereas I'm, you know, there is that doubt back in England that if I was in this position, I would think I probably wouldn't be riding her going into the Breeders' Cup. Well, we do know that you are, uh, knock on wood, that everything goes great over the next several weeks. Um, do you wake up in the morning and pinch yourself and realize that you're going to be riding uh, in the Philly and Mare Sprint against the, the, the greatest horses in the world here in about three weeks? Um, no, not really. I kind of wake up and think, oh, my God, I'm going to get a chance to win the Breeders' Cup for the first time. And it really brings home to me all the sacrifices that I've made to be here to make this opportunity and... I wake up now every morning just makes me, you know, makes you more determined and I'm more confident and I'm working hard and just keep doing, playing, playing the same tactics that I've been doing all year and just really hope it pays off on the day, which I'm pretty confident that it will be tough to beat again. Well, speaking of waking up in the morning, um, do you go over to the Thoroughbred Training Center and work Fioretti? Because it looks like this mare just loves to fly when the sun comes up. She does. Um, I've been every time she has a workout. Um, I always, whenever she's breathing, I go over there and I'll breathe her. And she just really enjoys herself, and it's that's something that's played a big part in her training and coming into her races is for me to go and get on her in the morning and to get to know her. And I know I've ridden her a couple of times and I've been on her a few times in the morning. But, you know, there's something you can learn all the time, a little bit more after each race, after each breeze. And it's good for me and my confidence with her. And it helps probably her confidence too, that we have a good connection together. And I know when to let her do a little bit more in the morning or when to keep her a little bit on the quieter side and not let her stretch out as much and just keep everything in hand so she has a good, nice, easy workout. But... A good um, makes a good time for herself, so it does really help with the pair of us teaming up in the morning and building up our confidence and 
knowing what our tactics can be come, come to the race day. Well, all I can say, Sophie Doyle, is uh, number one, you know that uh, all of us will, will, be, will be rooting for you. And I just hope that the, the nation is listening and they understand that it did take a lot of hard work for you to get to where you are. And I think you deserve every bit of the recognition you get. And I just hope that we're taking your picture in the winner's circle uh, at Keeneland here in a couple of weeks. Thank you. I hope so, too. I think I'll be... I was just um, talking to Anthony a while before I spoke to you guys, and I said to him, I think I might be the only jockey that'll be coming out onto the track that's got a smile on the face already, and then coming back again with an even bigger one. <laughs> you know, I'm pretty conf- I'm just pretty confident. I'm really, I'm excited, and I always think on on these kind of days when you're riding in big races, and the same when she ran in the group to um, the groupie doll at Ellis Park. You know, I came out into the paddock and I could feel the tension around everyone. And I looked at Anthony and I said, are we going to smile about today or are we going to carry on with the same tension? Because <laughs> we better just enjoy ourselves and have fun. And look, when we, whether we win or we don't, we can look back and say, wow, look where we've come with this. Really, and look what we've done together and just really enjoy ourselves. And as much as, you know, my time to be serious and in my zone is when I go and step out to the racetrack on, on Fioretti. But. I always think before and after, it's always better to just enjoy yourself and have fun and just appreciate your time being there. Well, we've certainly enjoyed ourselves, and we've had fun uh, talking with Sophie Doyle. Sophie, we'll be rooting for you down there, Keelan. We wish you nothing but the best on Breeders' Cup Day. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me on this evening. Happy to. We've been talking to Sophie Doyle, the belle of the Breeders' Cup ball, and we're going to take a little bit of a break here. And when we come back, we're going to be talking to one of the good guys in thoroughbred racing and one heck of a handicapper, and that's Rich Ruda from Thistledown, where they will be featuring the best of Ohio this weekend. You're listening to Winning Ponies. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. Leave the bitch's ass and then move oh, on. I just, and I just think that the coach made a mistake. All crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Englehart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Englehart. All right, and as I said, with me now is Rich Rudup. 
It's uh, Ohio's Breeders' Cup on Saturday, the $750,000 Best of Ohio, the divisional championships for uh, two-year-olds, for sprinters, for older horses going long. we got different distances and divisions, and nobody knows it better than my man, Rich Ruder. Rich, how you doing? John, thanks. Well, uh, well, thank you for welcoming me to Winning Ponies. This is fun. This is a lot of fun because about full, let's say, 44 hours from right now, boy, it'll be the Breeders' Cup in Ohio. I know we're talking about the uh, Keeneland Breeders' Cup that's coming up and how nice that's going to be. But in Ohio, the Buckeye State, this is our Breeders' Cup, and it comes to Thistledown this Saturday. Five races make up our best of Ohio. It is a dandy, dandy card. Most of the races came up full of horses because for the first time in a long time, we have maybe one of the races that has an absolute standout in it, John, but the rest are a horse player's delight. Well, uh, you know, what makes this game so good, I think, is is the people that are in it. And I know that uh, before we get on to our handicap and that – you kind of suffered a, a personal loss a couple of weeks ago. I did announce it on the show. Yeah. The fact that uh, we lost your friend, uh, Weldon Cloninger. Can you tell us a little bit about your relationship with him and him as a man? Yeah, you know what? This is really cool. I'm glad you brought it up, John. Um, Weldon came to Thistledown maybe about 10 years ago, and I was doing the on-air handicapping in the paddock between the races, and uh, I got to watch Weldon ride a little bit. I knew where he came from. He was one of those... Arkansas, Louisiana, Texas riders, came up to Thistledown, and right away you knew you were looking at a special kind of rider. The kid could ride horses. Now, as well as riding horses, the kid would voice his opinion, and maybe that got him in a little trouble at times. But we became very, very good friends. Uh, I got I nicknamed him the pacemaker at Thistledown because if he got on the lead with a horse, boy, he knew how to throttle it down, keep something for the end. He had a ton of stories to tell about horse racing. Not the easiest, easiest life growing up either. I mean, he he just had a tough time, did a lot of great stuff, got into the game, did all the stuff you do wrong after you come into money when you're young, straighten that out. Everything was going good for him at Thistledown. He was on a horse for Andy Concoli maybe about eight years ago, and the horse broke down, turning for home. Weldon broke his back. He was up riding in six months. The doctor said he wouldn't ride for a year and a half. Six months later, he's riding horses. That's what he loved to do. And if I can relate one thing about Weldon, not not only as a rider, but as a human being. His sister called me uh, Saturday night about three weeks ago. She called me up and said, Rich, she said, Weldon's at the clinic. Can you get there? And I said, sure. I said, I just seen him. I said, I can get there. No problem. Uh, I said, I'll get there in the morning. She was flying in. We were all going to get together and spend some time with him. But when I got there, I walked into the room, and Weldon had passed away. Wow. But around, this is the type of guy he was. Around his head was wrapped in ice. Because here's a guy who thought enough to donate his eyesight, donate his eyes, so that someone down the road could see what he saw, and I hope they could only see what he saw when he was aboard some of them horses and some of the stuff that goes on, because if you could look through his eyes sometimes, I'm sure your world would open up for you. Weldon was just a -a one-of-a-kind guy. You know what? He had all the faults that I have, all the faults that you have, but you know what? Above it all, 
just a really, really nice guy. Well, I, I got introduced to him uh, through you when you guys were making yeah. one of your uh, your trips down here. You were on the regular guy, and then you guys went out and had a little fun across the river, I know. Uh, mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, he just came across as be- being a fun-loving guy, and, uh, yeah. you know, and I, I knew you'd, you'd have a story to share with our audience, and that, that, that one about your visit at the end was is just... That's really classy. That's really cool. Yeah, he's one. He was one of a kind, John. He was. He was one of a kind. And and you know what? I mean, he just a good, just a, a character. That's all you can say. The game's full of them. Our game is full of characters, and we're probably two of them, John. So you know, I'm not knocking anybody. But I, I mean, he was just a character. He every day was a different day with Weldon. He was. He was. He loved the game. He loved his family. He loved his kids. He loved the game. And and I think. I think at the end, the last four or five, six years, he realized, you know, I'm getting a little older. Maybe it's time to focus. And as he focused, he got better and better and better. And then he caught that, yeah, you know, sickness caught up with him. And it took away all the focus. It took away all his ability to ride horses. And he still tried, you know, but it it, it ate him up so bad that at the end he couldn't do it anymore. And I... I think that was the worst part for him because he knew that there was some talent left on the table and he had a lot of talent. Well, we're going to have a lot of talent on the racetrack coming up on Saturday. Um, Now, I'll be interested because you said, oh, there's like one standout and a lot of open races. I think there's two standouts. And starting right away with the best of Ohio sprint, uh, Rivers Run Deep, certainly looks like the horse to beat. <laughs> I would say so, John. I mean, I, you know what? It's, and I think that's why it's the first race of the, of the day as far as the uh, Best of Ohio program. It starts in race four, with the, and it is a start of a pick five. And you know what? The horse looks really, really. He's the defending champion. I mean, he's three for four at Thistledown. When, you know, uh, he's, he's just awful tough. I mean, when he tries two turning, they got a chance to beat him. But at six furlongs, he's awful, awful tough to beat. I was lucky enough to watch his last race at Churchill Towns, and, and I'm sure you saw it or saw a replay of it. He was dead game against some flat-out monsters. And, and on right. the turf, you know, trying the turf, 57 flat for five furlongs, that's moving. Now, one of the, you know what, and I agree with you, John. That's I, I think we're talking about the same horse as a single in, in this thing as him. But boy, I'm going to tell you, you got to take a look at this. The, the five horse candy bites moves to Nabu Morales's barn. Nabu Morales is the leading trainer at Thistledown this year. Fifty three wins from 167 starts. When he gets a horse in his barn, they improve. The guy has magic. And he's getting candy bites off of a very good trainer, Larry Ravelli. Walter yep. Delacruz climbs aboard. Walter's our leading rider at Thistledown. Candy bites, I think we're going to see an improved horse. He ran, he ran big last time out, but I think he's going to be tough in there to catch if he can shake loose. But you know what? I don't think he can shake loose. I think all I see is gold and diesel only and conniption fit are all going to cause trouble up front. And that just, it just looks like it sets up for Rivers Run deep. Don't you think that? Well, to, to, to ver- verify uh, Morales, first off the claim, I did a little research, he wins 44% <laughs> of the time. Okay? Yeah, he's amazing. Uh, 
He's All right. Man. Well, I also re- researched one of my main men down here in Cincinnati, and that's Dougie Cowens. Now, he's got conniption fit in here. Mm-hmm. And uh, if for some reason River Runs Deep comes up with a headache that day, you got to watch. Here's some angles on, on Dougie. When he goes from a route to a sprint, he wins 42% of the time. And combine that with when he comes into a race off a win, he wins 38% of the time. And this horse is going for its sixth consecutive victory. So, like I said, if Rivers runs deep for some reason, gets in a little bit of a trouble, uh, Conniption Fit could give him one. You know, John, and you know, I, I, you know, we we played this game together for a long time in Ohio, and I always said that the closer you get to Lake Erie, the tougher the racing gets. I'm going to tell you something. You're sending up, you are sending up from Southern Ohio, not only some really nice horses, but some really talented riders. Man, your riders are coming. It's it's like a Belterra Park day up at Thistletown on uh, Saturday. It, it's going to be fun. Believe it or not, one trainer actually approached the director of racing and said, are we going to cancel racing on Saturday? And he said, why? And she said, because all of our riders are going to be at Thistletown. <laughs> yeah. It's, hey, she it's was dead for Perry up here, right? I mean, Perry <laughs> but, don't come to Cleveland very often unless he's, you know, for some reason. And Perry, who's coming up? And Johnny McKee, your guy, and Orm. And, boy, I'll tell you what, and I've been watching uh, Miss Burke ride down your way, and she's doing well. Yes, yes, she is. Well, listen, let's move on to a race that uh, I think you're going to have to stretch out on your pick five ticket, and that would be the juvenile. Obviously, there's going to be a big target on the back of Belterra Park's My Partner Cal, trained by Larry Smith, ridden by Perry Utes, un- uh, came into the loyalty stakes off a game effort and a maiden effort, uh, ran away by three and a quarter lengths. Um, then, of course, Tim Hamzo is going to be dangerous. you got this Weaver's Ice Cold that just broke its maiden in impressive fashion up there. Uh, Unbridled Trick, who's had the benefit of going a mile, uh, ran second, but it was a tough race. Here's the mystery horse, Sawyer's Mickey, trained yeah. by Steve Asmussen, a Buckeye bread that sold for 280000 as a two-year-old, makes two starts at Saratoga, going six and seven furlongs. What's interesting is, is that in each race, horses that beat this horse, now these are two-year-olds, came back and won their next start. Yeah. John, you know what, John, before, and, and we're talking about the juvenile, and before we get into talking about the horses that are entered for the juvenile, I want to tell you one horse that's not in there, and that's a horse and a trainer. And, John, you could, you could clean me up on this if you want. Miguel Feliciano, how are we running the best of Ohio without him having a horse in it? Uh, and it never had, happened all that. Two, yeah, we had a, he had a two-year-old called Master Mick at Thistledown this year. After the horse ran at Thistledown, I was standing with him. He passed up $400,000 for him. Said no. And Master Mick, sure, just like horse racing, we know the game, comes up with a little problem about a month later, and he's out of the juvenile, and Master Mick is down in Ocala, Florida, uh, getting better. I hope I hope we see him as a three-year-old. But, John, we're talking about horses going a distance that just so, so uh, foreign to him. I mean, you got speed out of the first four horses in the race. You got, I, there's just so much speed in here. My thinking is Sawyer's Mickey, $280,000 they bought him for. You know, the 
hair flatter. You see, a, you know, the APNDs in this horse, but you see Asmussen. And you know what? It makes me think that this has been on their game plan all along. The seven furlong race at Saratoga is very good, John. 123 flat, you beat seven lengths. That's no disgrace for an Ohio bred at Saratoga. And they've made the horse four to one there. That four to one in an $83,000 maiden special weight race with 10 horses in it. Somebody likes this horse, John. I think Sawyer's Mickey is a wake-up horse in there. You know, I Again, think he's going to be awful tough. Two-year-olds, too, you got to look at their training pattern. Look at how yeah. this horse, if you look at, since, uh, you know, uh, that September 5th race, uh, it had a September 22nd work, a September 29th work, an October 6th work. It looks like, to me like Asmussen has just wound this baby up for a big juvenile at Thistledown. Yeah, I, I, you know what? I don't think you, I don't think you could be wrong. The only, you know what? I think you're, you're right on there. There's a horse called Lunar Cap in there. Hasn't done a whole lot, but I think I like the distance. And that's the five horse out of Jeff Rodosovich, who's buying with Jeffrey Scaretta board. I think there's a ton of speed in here. I think the speed going a mile and a sixteenth. If they go 112, 113, that's too fast for these two-year-olds. I mean, somebody's going to come and pick up the pieces. And I think that might happen. It's, it's a good race. It's a good, good race. As much as we're giving the first race to Rivers Run Deep, this race, if you're betting the gimmicks, you know, you like the pick threes, the pick fours, the pick fives, that all button looks awful good. And there's a horse on the outside called Black Tie and Tucks. Bobby Gorham's your trainer. You see him come down to Belterra, John. You see him at Indiana Downs. You see him just about everywhere. The guy wins races, and Black Tie and Tux has had trouble in all four races at Thistledown. He's been in some kind of trouble, and he's still won. He's still been second there, but he's uh, he manages trouble, and I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of trouble for him going to mile and a 16th, to be honest with you. So that's a wide-open race. Well, and, uh, you know, I don't get out of bed early every day, but I do attend the workouts every now and then. And trainer Joe Laherty, before this horse ever made its first start, said, Hey, John, I want you to take a, a look at this chestnut colt going by. And it turned out uh-huh. to be Straw Dog. And the, the horse, first race, kind of came un- unraveled a little bit. And uh, went off at 4-1, to one, but didn't really have a rally. This horse uh-huh. comes back and jumps like 48 buyers <laughs> in his next yeah, race. Yeah, I saw that, yeah. I- Ireland, I Julie that. Burke. Uh, wins by 10 and three quarters, and let me tell you, was doing it easy. So, uh, you know, while you've got some inside info on black tie and tucks, i got a little inside info on this straw dog. It's uh, not a bad horse at all. Uh, and, of course, again, my, my partner, Cal, uh, winning the loyalty. Uh, Bull Johnny out of that race came back and won. Uh-huh. It's going to be very, very interesting. Well, Rich, we only got uh, about seven minutes to close, so uh, go, put, your, put your... Put your speed capping on. Uh, we need to go to uh, what would be the, the girls' two-year-old race, uh, named after the great John Galbraith here in Ohio. Uh, once again, uh, we've got a horse here that's got a target on its back in school board prez uh, that has won at Thistledown, has won at Belterra Park. Um, and this guy, Doug Matthews, uh, who trains school board prez, with two-year-olds, he wins 40% of the time, and Rich, when he goes from sprint to a route, he wins 50% of the time, and this horse went to its knees at the start, is now, at the start, rather, 
is two for two, broke its maiden in a stake, and came back and won the Tada. This is going, this is going to be a, a, a tough one to beat, I think. Okay, John. Now, this is where we go. To, this is why we're talking, buddy. The seven horse, proper discretion, will yep. win the Galbraith. Oh, really? How about that, John? I'm telling you, Benny Feliciano is as good a trainer. Now, we talked about Miguel. This is Miguel's brother, Benny. It's 11 for 39 at Thistledown. To me, he is one of the best horsemen in Ohio. Doesn't have a ton of horses. I got to see this one the day she win. I got to see her work. I talked to Benny. You got Ricky aboard the horse. That's Benny's son. And Ricky is a flat-out rider. You know what? Proper discretion will need to be caught. And I think it could end up that the two horses we're talking about are going to be one, two in there. Proper discretion is a very, very, very nice two-year-old. All right. Well, uh, you know, you're, right. you're the man up there. I'm the man down well, here. Yeah, but, that's, uh, what I, that's what we're here for, buddy, right? We're only <laughs> about, about 180 miles away. Right from each other, and having well, we, fun. What could be better than this? We we know the players. All right. Well, those are those are our two top picks uh, okay. in, in the Galbraith, and certainly though it's a wide open field, two year old stretching out for the first time. Anything can happen. Now we move on to the best of Ohio distaff. And if Rivers Runs Deep isn't the best bet of the day, then I'd have to say that Need More Flattery is, and it could be the other single. But you never know. Yep you know, when something's going to happen. My question to you is, okay, you were there for the Scarlet and Gray. How much did the Scarlet and Gray take out of Need More Flattery? It turned back to six furlongs, had to get running those final two furlongs, just got up by a head, and now only gets three weeks rest, Rich. Yeah, you know what? I think Need More more Flattery is a a better distance horse, to be honest with you. I, I just think she is. She got the perfect setup in that race, John. Those two horses went at each other all the way around. Louis Cologne knows Deedmar Flattery very well. He was in the catbird seat the whole way around. I mean, the whole way around. Deedmar Flattery worked her butt off to win that race. Worked her butt off. You know what? I wish wish there was someone I could make a case to say, I don't know if you know anybody from down there that's coming up. Floros guy interests me a little, the outside horse with Dean Sarvis aboard for Tony Rini because he's got some speed and there ain't a whole lot of speed in the race. But I was hoping you could throw somebody in from, you know, but I don't see anything, John. I, you know what? Neymar Flattery catches a very nice field to, to beat. All right. Well, let, let me give you my two cents. Go ahead, buddy. Put a line through Red Starts, pay the man. Uh, John okay. McKee told me, when he got back, when he back to the barn, got back down to Churchill, uh, Buff Bradley called him and said, holy cow, this horse has amazing mu- mucus problems. Uh-huh. And uh, that did not display itself until you put yourself under pressure. John McKee, uh, I spoke to him today, went down and uh, breezed this horse at Churchill Downs in the mud last Saturday, and he said, man, Red Start's back. Red Start won here easily, going a mile and an eighth, the distance of the best of Ohio distaff, and this is an Ohio bred by blame, so distance won't be the question. If you can throw out that pay the man, Red Start's going to be the horse you want to keep an eye on in your exactus. You know, you know what, John? I'm with you then, because I'm trying to beat Deedmar Flattery. I watched the last race. I mean, he was all over her to get up. She, 
she should have. She, I thought she should have just blew by those horses, and she didn't. So I'm hopping on board with you, buddy. And you know what? You 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 mentioned pay the man. We just got to give her five seconds of what a fantastic filly and mare pay the man was from a Guelph Feliciano. Wow. Yeah, she was great. One over a million dollars, and I think she'll make a great brood mare. Well, my producer's telling me we're down to like the two-minute mark, so the best of Ohio endurance, it is just that, a mile and a quarter. We've got a couple best of Ohio endurance uh, winners in here, and right yep. now, though, let's face it, the horse that looks like uh, he's really on his toes, loves Thistledown, can win at the yep. distance, is Jack's Fact, and you're just going to have to look out for some other, you know, uh, distance horses, uh, d- Dubacious, who set the, the pace in the Governor's Buckeye Cup with Jack's Fact right. 1, and uh, Silver Tongued, uh, this kid Giovanni Garcia that's going to come up from Cincinnati. This kid can ride, and as you know, Silver Tongue can go the mile and a quarter. Yeah, John, you know what? And, and last year we got together at this time, and we were sitting, talking just like we are, and I said the best of Ohio endurance is going to go to plain old Willard, and plain old Willard won at 16-1. to 1. I've been looking for that horse for the last six or seven races at Thistledown, and he just hasn't shown up. Just hasn't no. shown up. But I did like Silver Tongue's race last time out because they went 115 for six furlongs at Thistledown last time out. Silver Tongue was sitting back, made a nice little run, but couldn't get there. Couldn't get Jack's fact. They're going to go a little faster they're going to go a little faster on Saturday. Silver Tongue gets some pace in front of them. And, you know, you mentioned the Giovanni Garcia. I was lucky enough to be a Tampa this winter and watch him ride a lot of winners for Joe Woodard. He is a horse rider. So He is. You know and what, you John? are a horse handicap my horse. And, and my producer's telling me, John, we got to wrap it up. we so, got to uh, go. I hate I hate to leave you, but I will be watching your your pre-show. Uh, you'll be on television prior to uh, the Best of Ohio. I uh, ask our other uh, all of our listeners that if they're at an OTB parlor or at the track to tune into the pre-show at Thistledown and take a listen to Rich Ruda. I also want to thank Sophie Doyle for being with us. It's been a great show. Rich, have a great Saturday. I'll be watching, brother. All right, buddy. Thank you and winning ponies. All right, we will. Well, that wraps up the show. Overlooking the manicured turf course past the Ohio River to the hills of Kentucky. I'm John Engelhart. Remember, when you go to the races, bet with your head, not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.